are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bibles now to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and the Word of God. John chapter 10. Listen very carefully and let God speak to your heart. John 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and might, might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now come down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Beautiful, magnificent portions of the Word of God. John chapter 10. Now, I want you to follow with me. Some time ago, I flew to Charlotte, North Carolina to speak in the North Side Baptist Church, one of the great churches of the country, and I've been with them often. And uh, when I got out of the plane and in the airport, I met with a pastor, Dr. Bradley Price, graduate of our school. And uh, we got my suitcases and came out in the parking lot. And when he got there, he said, I have something for you. And there was a beautiful big Mercedes-Benz. Now he said, this car cost 60 or $70,000 or whatever it was, I don't know. Now he said, the owner of the company is a member of our church. He wants you to have this car to drive while you're here. And it's yours to use all you want to. Well, we drove down to the motel, and I got there. And uh, that night, I got in that car and drove out to the church. Beautiful, lovely car. White, snow white, beautiful paint job, lovely. And uh, I parked the thing, and I was feeling so good about it. I preached my sermon, got back in the car, and rode back to the motel. Parked the car, and went in and went to sleep. Next morning, I got up. Six o'clock, my usual time. And uh, I want to go get breakfast at... One of the great residents of America, McDonald's. And uh, I learned that from Jack Hiles. And uh, uh, so I got out, got ready, and walked out the car. Had the keys in my hand. I put the key in the door, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I walked around the other side, put the key in the door, nothing happened. I tried again and again, nothing happened. I couldn't make it, couldn't open it home. I said, well, thing, I can't get in. I can't drive the car. And uh, I kept trying and trying. Nothing worked. I had the keys right there. And I said, well, I'll walk up and get my breakfast, and then I'll come back and try it again. I walked about halfway, and I got discouraged, and came back and sat down in the motel. I said, no, I'm not going to go up there. I don't feel like walking all that distance, and I'm just going to sit here and wait a while. And uh, so I did. I sat there and waited a while and worried about the whole thing. And then I said, well, I'm going to try it once more. I walked out there, put the key in the door, it opened at once. Opened at once. I got in the cars to put it in the ignition, uh, started the motor, uh, and everything worked just perfectly. You know what my trouble was? I had the wrong key. Wait a minute. The key to my motel room and the key to the car were exactly the same color and the same size. Exactly. And I tried to open the car door with a motel key, and it wouldn't work at all. It wouldn't work. Wait a minute. I don't want you to miss what I'm saying now. 
My dear friend, if you want your life to be right, you've got to have the right key. Young people, you've got to have the right key. Yeah, and if you don't have the right key, it will not open unless you have the proper key. And you can open whatever you need to have, whatever God wants you to have, when you have the right key. And you're in touch with God and walking with Him every single day of the life. But the right key, that's the secret of your life. The right key. Now, Christ is the key. Christ Jesus is the key. Now, get that. He is the key to all things. To life, to joy, to peace, to heaven, is eternal life. He's the key. Christ, the blessed Savior. And you say, dear Lord, I will know Him. I want to walk with Him every day. I want to know Christ, my Savior. When you pray, you're praying in the name of Jesus. Or else you don't pray at all. And when you serve God, you're serving for His glory or you're not doing it right. And you've got to come to say, I'm going to have the key to my life, the right key, and the key is Christ Jesus, my Savior. I'm emphasizing the Son of God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the door. He's everything you need. He's the key. Now, I'll give you four or five simple thoughts. Number one, Christ is the key to salvation. Altogether, the right key. He said, I've given them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He said, whosoever drink the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And you've got to have the right key. Now, it's Christ Jesus. Uh, just keep that in mind. This is the Word of God, and this is the only key. The right key is salvation through faith in Christ. The church can save you. Baptism can save you. Good works can save you. Clean life can save you. You've got to come to Christ. He is the key. He is the key to it all. And we miss that. Now the Methodists, Episcopal, Catholics, Jews, Baptists, many of them will be missing it. And they put the emphasis on something else. When you've got to come back to see that this is the very heart of it all, that Jesus Christ is the way. And the truth and the life. And he's all and in all. Uh, the wrong key. Uh, you can't open the key, the door by your family name. You can't open the door by the way you feel. You can't open the door by your human reasoning. You open the door by Christ. And He is the key to salvation. And this morning, if you're here without Him, I beg you to come today humbly and sincerely and say, I take Jesus as my Savior. I know He saves. He gives me life everlasting. I'm resting wholly and completely in Him. He is the key. I finished preaching one morning on a radio broadcast. We had a broadcast every morning for 40 years. I spoke every day when I was home on the broadcast. And I finished up one morning, our 30-minute broadcast, 8.39. And when I did, a man came walking down the aisle, a fine, well-dressed man, and walked on the platform. He said, gentlemen, I thought I'd come out and tell you, I just got saved. Oh, I said, praise God. Where were you? said, Macar. I said, you mean you got saved? Yes, sir. Coming in from Dalton, Georgia, toward Chattanooga, 30-mile trip from Dalton, Chattanooga. Riding in the car, had your radio turned, the radio turned on, and your station... And you told me that Christ was the Savior. I put my faith and my trust in Him. I'm born again today. And he stood on the platform. He shook hands with Dr. Faulkner with my associates and other and the pianists and all that were there. And we stood there rejoicing. And he came back and stood on the platform with him again. Big empty building in, in the morning hour. And uh, as he stood there, I said, Sir, where do you live? And he named the town south of Dalton toward Atlanta, Georgia. I knew the town well. And I said, that's wonderful. I said, sir, if you don't mind asking, what kind of business are you in? What do you do? What's your work? He said, I am pastor of the First Baptist Church. But I've never saved until this morning. Never saved until today. Graduate of our seminary, Southern Baptist. 
Had it all. Had all the degrees, everything. But he said, I'll never say, I've been trusting my good works and my clean life to get me to heaven. I'd never put my faith in Christ until this morning. He meant that. He went back and told his church, had to be baptized again? Had to be ordained again? He's preaching today. Wait a minute. I'm pointing out to you, my dear friend, that you need it. And if you're here this morning, I don't care if you belong to this church or, or a dozen more. That doesn't save your soul. You've got to know Christ is your Savior. And know in your heart that you believe in Him and He died for you. And you're trusting only Him to save you and to give you everlasting life. Now, Christ is the key to salvation. I come number two. Christ is the right key to peace of heart. Peace of heart. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you. Not the world give it, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, he said, peace I leave with you. And Jesus said, come to me all you labor, heavy laden, I will give you rest. And we receive that peace when we come to the Lord Jesus. Now watch. Peace is not education. It's not in legislation. It's not in possessions. It's not an accomplishment. But your peace is whole and completely in Jesus Christ. He's the giver of peace. Now, first you're saved. Then the peace of God is yours. And He's the key to peace. And you can rest upon Him. Now, books cannot give you peace. You can read them all. And you don't have the peace of God. And schools can't give you peace. You can have degrees from every school in the world and not have the peace of God. And attainment doesn't give you peace. You can go up to the top and reach big, big heights, but that doesn't give it all. That peace comes by Christ Jesus, the Savior, your Lord and Master. He's the key to salvation. He's the key to peace of heart. I began preaching uh, many years ago. 1930, actually, called to preach in 1928 and ordained in 1930. I went to my first church in Memphis, Tennessee. A little church about, uh, oh, just a few miles from the edge of town, in town now, a few miles from the edge of town, a German town. And today, a very beautiful big church now and in the city. But I got there, a little one room built in 1860, a beautiful old church. And uh, I began preaching, and I loved it. And had a lot of people to say, the first time I baptized, baptized 27 converts the first time ever baptized in my life. And I was so happy. And I stayed there for one year. And rejoiced in all of it. Praise God. Uh, never had but one building, so I uh, got busy and built a little sunscreen in the back. I had the bricks hauled out from Memphis, and I put them up there and got a man to help me. We built a little brick addition to the church, and that is still there today, along with a big, beautiful church by the side of it. But I was in all of that, and that was a, a recent trip that I made. I saw that building again and thought of my first days in that church. I left that church uh, that day on my recent visit and drove five or six miles to another Baptist church. Beautiful church, cost over 40 millions of dollars. Forty millions. What a term! Seventy-five hundred people, individual seats. Seventy-five hundred seats. Uh, main floor and balcony. I was on the platform and stood there and looked at it. That's the church where Doctor Adrian Rogers is the pastor. You know him, I believe, do you not? And uh, a good man. And uh, I, I stood on that platform and looked at it. That beautiful building and the big choir loft up here and the orchestra and so forth. And I looked around the building, costing forty millions of dollars and a uh, beautiful thing on one hundred and twenty acres of land on the edge of Memphis and all of it. And I thought about it. Wait a minute. The man in that church has to get his peas from the same place that I got mine. When I passed up a little one-room church. Little one-room church. Nothing else. It had to come from the same source. And that's true of all of us. No matter what you have in life, a big job, big money, beautiful home, whatever it may be, your peace of God must come from the same one. That's from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, my peace I give unto you. You can have only one thought at a time. 
Center your mind upon Christ the Savior and rest in Him and know that He supplies and will give you what you need for today, for tomorrow, and for all of your life, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. But I hasten on. Christ is the right key. The right key to spiritual growth. Here's the Word of God. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, we're to grow. We're to feed upon the Word of God and grow. We're to develop. After we're born again, we're to grow in grace. We're not to stay the same. We're not to be babes. We're to grow and keep on growing and feed upon the Word and rest upon the Word. And so that's the first thing, that we feed on the Word of God and that we pray and, and trust God and just keep growing and moving. And the child of God must do that. Now, how long have you been saved? A year, two years, five years, twenty, whatever it may be. You should be growing all the time. And I'm to be growing all the time. I'm to be growing in the Word of God, feeding upon this blessed Word, and getting new food from the soul at all times. Now, keep on growing. Don't be a baby Christian. Baby Christians cry and complain. Baby Christians hold back the progress of the Lord's work. And you've got to be growing in grace and say, Oh God, I want to be growing and being what God wants me to be. I went to Chattanooga years ago. I'd been there a few days when a lady called me and said, Brother Robertson, I want you to have a funeral service for my son. Oh, I said, Mother, I'm sorry to hear. I was new in the city, never been there to a, never been to a funeral then. And, uh, I said, I'll do anything I can. I said, how old is you? Oh, he said, 19. Well, I said, I'll come out to see you right away, Mother. She had no, no, just meet me at the funeral home in the morning at 10 o'clock. So, next morning at 10, I went to the funeral home in downtown Chattanooga. And uh, I went to the door, and the uh, undertaker met me, and I said, I'm here to have the service. He said, yes, we know that. Come right on in. And put me on the platform. And in a little while, the family came and sat over on this side, and the visitors and friends came and sat here. And we waited. And then, in a moment, the back door in the funeral home, and the undertaker came in, pushing a little carriage. And on the carriage was a tiny casket. And he pushed all the way up the front, up there. I'm on the platform. I said, I made a mistake. I'm in the wrong place. I'm going to have a funeral for a boy 19 years old. The mother said so. I came off the platform down the van. I said, Mister, I made a mistake. I'm new in the city. I've been here in a funeral, this funeral home before. And I said, uh, I'm new in the city. And I'm going to have the service for a boy of 19. He said, you're in the right place. Go back on the platform. I went up. I can look at the service. I went out the grave and we buried that little body. And I, I, I said, Mother, could you tell me what happened? That Brother Robertson, no one knows. My boy never grew, never developed. We took him to the best doctors, the best hospitals in the world. Did all we could. He remained a baby. He was a mystery to the best of doctors. They could not explain it all at all. And he said, we took care of him for 19 solid years. 19 years caring for him. Now, wait a minute. That's a long time. And that little mother, night and day, never took a vacation. Never, never left. Stayed by the side of that, that babe, a baby for 19 years. That's a sad story, but I know Christians who have never grown. They're saved, they're born again, but they're little babies. They complain like babies. They cry like babies. They act like babies. Now, God wants you to grow up. And you're to keep on growing. Now, look, don't stop. But He's the key. Christ is the key. He's the key to spiritual growth. And you grow in grace and do the thing that God wants you to do. And trust God every step of the way. Grow with the Word of God. Read your Bible. Feed on the Word of God and grow in grace daily. I'm preaching in Memphis. A young man came to me at the end of the hour. Oh, 25 years of age, maybe a little more. And had a Bible, a beautiful Bible. Said, Dr. Robertson, I want you to sign my Bible. Well, I said, be glad to. Took up a pen, opened it up, and began to sign. And looked at notes of Bible, brand new. Oh, shiny new. I said, sir, you have a beautiful Bible here. I said, now be sure you read it. 
And openly he said, oh no, I don't read the Bible. He said, uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't read the Bible. He said, I let other people do that. He said, uh, I'm too busy with that. And he said, but I, I make a collection of Bibles. I've got 25 or 30 different kind of Bibles. And I want you to sign my Bible. Well, I said, son, the Bible's not worth a thing unless you read it. You've got to pick it up and read it. Read the Word of God. But he didn't take that at all. But I know some Christians that have failed to read the Holy Word of God. Now read your Bible and, and then pray much. And grow in grace by your prayer life. And pray without ceasing. And just keep on praying. Now Christ is the key. And you pray in the name of Jesus Christ for the needs of your life. And then enter in the service for Christ. In the service for the Lord Jesus. And grow in grace. And don't be afraid to do it. Take on a job. Sunday school. Whatever you're doing here. Uh, work of the church. Take, I give a job and say, Lord, I want to give a bet. I want to serve. Now what am I saying? Christ is the key to spiritual growth. Read your Bible and pray and serve God. And grow in grace. And be what God wants you to be. Let me illustrate that again. The matter of growing and developing and going on. When I passed a little church in Memphis, Tennessee many years ago, one Sunday morning, up preaching a little handful of people, 75, 80 people in the church, and uh, as I preached my sermon, all of a sudden, a head appeared right around the vestibule door. A great big head, red hair, sticking straight up. I thought, what in the world? And uh, I'm a young preacher. And young, back in those days, I didn't have too many innovations. And I, I young, and I preached away. And so I saw the head sticking out back there. And I said, right in the middle of my sermon, I said, son, come on in. And that fellow walked in. In walked the biggest man I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, he was a giant. He walked in and sat down. I thought, what have I done? I thought the guy might be mad at me. I mean, walked in, great big fellow, big muscle, great big tall, uh, red hair, sticking straight up, and sat down. And I went on preaching my sermon. When I finished, he got to walk down the aisle. He said, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. I led that man to the Lord. That man's name was H.E. Man. He Man. Got it? I'm not joking. He Man. H.E. Man. That's his actual name. I said, Mr. Man, I'm glad you're saved. I said, praise God, you can use your life for the glory of God and do all that God wants you to do. I said, Mr. Man, what do you do for a living? How do you live? He said, I'm a bull lifter. I said, a bull lifter? I've heard that expression in different ways, you know, but I said, a bull lifter? I said, I don't get that. He said, oh, yes. Now, this been years ago. He said, I carry a bull that weighs 940 pounds from home plate to first base in professional ball teams back in the old days, back before TV, back in the old days. I carry it from here, from home plate to first base and carry it back again. And the crowd gives me offerings. He said, I made plenty of money. I make money. I have money now. He's on, he was on, in, they photographed him in movies and everyone, the bull lifter, the bull lifter. And I went and saw the bull, 940 pounds. I didn't want to even be in the same field with him. And uh, that fellow lifting up and carrying the thing. Oh, but wait a minute, I'm illustrating something. When he got saved, he was a babe in Christ. When he got saved, he started just like you do, like I did. He had to read the Bible and pray and grow in grace. And no matter who you are, highly educated person, man, woman, you've got to grow in grace. And you've got to say, I want Christ to be the key of my life. I want to grow in grace and be as the Son of God wants me to be. I hasten on. Christ is the right key to victorious living. 
the right key to victorious living. A lot of people are saved, but don't have the victory. They're not victorious in the living. And God wants you to be a victorious Christian. And you can be. And it's done all to make you a victorious Christian. And you can know exactly what it is to live for Him and have the victory. For whatsoever is born of God overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcome the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, Christ is the key. He's the key. First John 5, 4 and 5. The victorious living. Now that means there must be death to self. You've got to die to self. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. And Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth on. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Are you listening, Christian? If you want your life to count for God, you've got to reckon self to be dead. You die to insults. You die to compliments. You die to criticism. You die to praise. You die to all of it. You're, you're dead to self. You know why you have so many heartaches and troubles? The old self-life. The self-life. And you're to come to die to self. Reckon self to be dead. Amen. I've been criticized. Your pastor has been criticized. That's right. Men that you know and love from this platform have been criticized sorely, have they not? Yes. And yet they go on. Yes. Now wait. The thing that does the go- helps you to make the going on keep on moving is this matter of reckoning self to be dead. I'm dead to all of it. So I can go ahead. Whether praise or blame, I take it and just go on my way doing what God said. And you've got to do the same thing. And this is the thing is you've got to do. Christ is the key to growth in grace. And Christ is the key to victorious living. And that is centered upon dying to self and on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You've got to know that you're filled with the Spirit of God. Empowered of God and with the Holy Spirit. Now when you got saved, He came in. Every Christian here this morning has the Holy Spirit in him now. Every Christian. You have all of him. But does he have all of you? Have you surrendered yourself? Have you said, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit of God. I want all that God has for me. Now Christ is the key. He's the key to victorious living, to dying to self. And having the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you and use you for all of your life. For the glory of God. He's the right key. I give him a final thought. Christ is the right key to fruit bearing. The right key to fruit bearing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if I'm to bear fruit and win the soul, he's the key. Did you know some Christians never win anyone to Christ? Many Christians never even try to win a soul. They don't have the victory. They miss the whole thing. I can't save anybody, you can't save anybody. But he can save, I tell people about Christ. And he's the key, he's the right key to, to, to fruit bearing. And this will enable you to reach others and to bring them to the Savior. Now let God use your life. Let God use your life. So live at your daily telling people of Christ the Savior. So live at every moment you're pointing someone to the Lamb of God. So live at every moment there's a light about you in your attitude, in your way, in your talking, in your speech, in your actions. In all ways you're showing that Christ is real. And you're pointing him to the Lamb of God. He's the right key to fruit bearing. Again, Christ is the right key that will give you a burning passion for souls. You say, I want to be a soul winner. Then make much of Christ. 
Think of Jesus and his death on the cross. Think of what he did for you. And say, oh God, I want to be a winner of souls. I want to bring people to my loving Savior. Let me give my closing illustration. I've just touched a number of things and didn't go into many of them. But this closing word. I'm preaching in Largo, Florida. That's right next to Clearwater. First Baptist Church. And uh, I stood on the platform to speak. And when I did, I looked around the building, of course, and right on the front row sat a young man, just a young young fellow, and uh, dressed in a, a blue shirt and blue overalls, nothing wrong with that, and totally barefooted, barefooted. Now, uh, that church rather dignified, the First Baptist, and uh, uh, no one else barefooted, but that little boy sat there, a kid about 14 years of age, and uh, feet stretched out in front of a big bare feet, and uh, listened, oh, he listened intently to the sermon. And came to the end of it, I gave an invitation, and uh, the fellow walked from that front row right here, walked back. I said, well, he's leaving, going, he's getting, going out. Some people do that, you know. At the end of the hour, just get to walk out. And I said, he's going out. But I was wrong. In a moment, that barefoot boy came down the aisle, bringing a boy with him, four, four or five years old, and he was well, maybe 19, 20 years old. And the barefoot boy said, uh, uh, Brother Robertson, this is my friend here. He wants to be saved. I turned to the older boy and I said, that right? I said, yes, yes. I said, who's been talking to you? And he pointed to the barefoot boy. He said, Nick, the barefoot boy. And I said, that's an amazing thing. In the first Baptist church on a Sunday morning, and a, a barefoot boy coming and sitting on the front row. And uh, I didn't say anything about it. That Sunday night I came along, and brother, he went back again, brought two or three down the aisle. And every night I said, Pastor, who in the world is Nick? Who is that barefoot boy? Winning people to Christ all the time down the aisle. He said, Brother Robertson, you can't believe it. He said, I led that boy to the Lord. He's saved. His mother and daddy are, are lost. They're drunkards. Never come near a church. Can't do a thing with them. But that boy got saved. And I told him that Christians ought to win others. And he began doing it at once. He said he brings people forward to every service. And I saw him do it, my friend. It was an amazing thing. A barefoot boy. Humble. Just winning people to Christ and bring them down the aisle. Uh, men and women, husbands and wives, and some kind, young people. And that boy named Nick just brought them down the aisle. I, I finished up on Thursday night in the meeting, and they gave me a love offering. In the love offering was a little card put in there. And on the card said, Dear Brother Roberts, I don't have any money. My mother and dad are not saved. I'm praying with them and for them, but I don't have any money. I can give you anything, but I've enjoyed the meeting. And signed Nick. And I thought, boy, that's an unusual thing. I kept that note. And the next morning, Friday morning, I was sitting with a pastor and his wife on the back porch of their home in Clearwater, Florida, where beautiful weather, and having breakfast. And we were sitting at the table talking and eating. And the doorbell rang. And the wife got up, went to the door. And the moment she came back, and behind her came this boy, Nick, barefoot boy, dressed the same way, overalls and blue shirt, and carrying a big brown paper sack. And he walked up to the table, very embarrassed, very much. He was a timid lad, actually timid. He said, Brother Robertson, did you get my note? I said, yes, sir, I did. I said, thank you for it. He said, there. He said, I want to give you something. I want you to have something. And reached down the brown paper sack and pulled out another sack. And said, I got this for you. I don't have any money. I want you to have this. Hand me a sack. I looked inside. A sack full of radishes. I couldn't think of anything. I need less than radishes. I said, Nick, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I thought he'd leave. He didn't leave. He stood there. He stood there a few moments and embarrassed as he could be. And pulled open the sack again, went down the side. He said, I have this for you too. 
He brought out a quart jar of dewberries. Do you know what dewberries are? A quart jar of dewberries. Handed to me. When I took it in my hand, the, quart, the jar was moist on the outside. Then picked early in the morning. And he said, I want you to have this too. I'm a country boy. I took the dewberries and the quart jar in my hand. I looked down at his feet and ankles. There were blood streaks all the way across the ankles. Where the briars, the briars out in the field had cut into the ankles of his bare feet. And hand me that jar. Now wait a minute. I'm trying to make you see something. God wants to use your life. He wants you to be a soul winner. He wants you to give your best no matter who you are. And you'll say, dear Lord, I surrender them all. He's the key to it all. Christ is the key. I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Do you know him this morning? If you've never accepted him, come today. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.